Welcome back to The Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I hope you're well and thanks for joining me again. We go back to some of the stories discussed at the beginning of last week and the fallout of Manchester United and Manchester City dropping out of the European competition. Following Manchester United's departure from the Europa League, despite their gallant effort by their manager, Oliver Solskjaer and his team, they were removed from the competition they were so desperate to win. Despite playing against what I call the 10 men of Sevilla and having a plethora of chances in both halves for a lengthy period, the multi-millionaire footballers fell short. There are two sides to this story. Manchester United may have created a number of chances, but what didn't they do? Well, they didn't do this. They failed to be clinical in the game. In front of goal, they failed to punish their opponents whilst having the upper hand. The statistics which were available after the game illustrated this clearly. Their efforts were great in terms of what they tried to do in front of goal. 20 shots in total, but they could only muster seven on target. What do these stats actually display? Well, they display this, a failure to be clinical. And if you're not clinical, it comes back to hurt you when you least expect it. And although the Red Devils were found to be lacking in terms of the possession that they had of the ball, they were found not to be lacking in terms of their attempt. It was their lack of being clinical, lack of having a killer instinct, which came back to haunt them. How did Manchester United not get the win based on the statistics in terms of shots on goal and shots in total. But it could be only one answer to this, or one from me in. No real out-and-out goal scorer. And when you create that many chances and you don't score, it pretty much tells its own tale. This forces me to consider that their current fixation on a player not known for scoring goals, Jaden Sancho, and only merely for creating chances, it seems that they are hell-bent on going down the same path to a trophyless season next year. With regards to the other team in Manchester, there is still conversation, obviously, about how they dropped out of the Champions League. They are under scrutiny, but in a very different way. How did they fail to win against a team which were only they were only able to control the game for about 28% of the whole game? Manchester City had 18 shots in total. But like with Manchester United, they only had seven on target. They had so many players in this team that you kind of scratch your head and think, how is this possible? Surely this would be enough for them to win the game. They didn't have enough luck, but they had plenty of misfortune. And their timing seemed to be out all over the pitch. But that's what happens in football. You can be good, but you do need luck. You do need fortune. And your timing needs to be, well, on point. Sometimes when you're playing against the team, it isn't just about the name of the team which wins or the colour of the shirt. It's all of the things that I've just mentioned in terms of luck, timing and being on point. You have to have a bit of fortune with you. There has to be also a game plan. And sometimes, even though you have a game plan, it doesn't always work. You go, you go out and you have to adapt and change and deal with teams that, as they say, defend with a low block or I just call defending. How Manchester City lost was what you call a rope dope They were caught on the break. Both Manchester managers now will look back at this period in time, post-restart, the end of the season, just before the start of the new season, and they will have serious regrets. Manchester City 
knowing full well that they trailed in terms of points in the league behind Liverpool, needed something to show, especially Pep Guardiola, especially Manchester City, considering they were on the verge of being banned, which then was overturned. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, likewise, nearly two years in the job, no trophy, only to look across the road, or should I say down in London, and see that a manager who's been in post for roughly about eight months pick up the FA Cup trophy. Things to consider and reflect on. Both believe their teams were good enough. Both have recruited well. Both managers and their chairman had spent millions on players with brand names and positive attitudes. And by the mere mention of their names on the teach, this would only bring about wins and three points and glory. But sometimes, just having the names on the back of the shirts and the players who you've spent millions and millions of pounds on isn't sufficient. Sometimes this just doesn't work out the way it's been written or predicted. Manchester City, Manchester United are two teams in the North. The powerhouses of football will have to go away, rethink and start again. As we move through the week, on to Tuesday and Wednesday, kind of squashed together. The question of favouritism in football can be clearly seen floating through the air like a cloud. With their extended European exploits of the team we just mentioned, both Manchester clubs have been awarded extra time to recover, which on the face of it seems fair. But when Wolves, who face the same level of competition in the Europa League and were in the competition for a far longer duration, where they began the Europa League campaign of 2019-20 back in July 2019, not to be given the same level of treatment, who can honestly argue and state that favouritism has not been used to make such a decision? Now, the fans of Manchester United and Manchester City will be happy that they've been given this delay. But for everyone else outside of the top three, top four, top five, we'll start to ask serious questions in terms of player safety, and player equity. Wolves should have been awarded the same measure of consideration as both of the Manchester clubs. The organisers and the bodies that control football have failed to do their due diligence with regards to being equal and having an equitable approach across football. It's clear to see that they have done something wrong and it's going to backfire. Maybe backfire in terms of injuries for Wolves because we will talk a little bit about the use of five substitutes later on. But with regards to clubs and player safety and how football has actually looked at the way that football has moved forward since the restart, you would actually believe that the, author, the authorities would not actually put any teams ahead of one another. They should be on equal footing, regardless of their stature, regardless of their financial backing or their history. The year 2020 has revealed a great number of things with regards to human interaction and engagement. It has also propelled those who make decisions right to the front of the queue and allowed us to see how inept they are at making the right decisions and how biased they are in their dealings with the very people they are duty bound to stand up for and defend. No, I'm not talking about the police or anyone any various government minister who've basically lied on a generally day-to-day -day basis. I'm talking about those who are charged with governing the football world. 
In an Evening Standing article, it stated in the Times, um, reported that there was an agreement with regards to the extension of uh, goodwill to certain clubs at Premier League, a Premier League shareholders meeting earlier in the month. This agreement has now resulted in both Manchester clubs starting a week later than the rest of the league. You have to ask yourself this question. Do Wolves Football Club have shareholders? If they don't, they may need to reconsider an appointment very, very quickly because there is a meeting taking place which seems to didn't include you or consider you. How can teams who have all competed in European competitions long after their home leagues have come to an end be treated in a very different way? Bias, favouritism, blatant disrespect, a total lack of care, an inability to even try to be even-handed. There are so many ways in which those in charge could be described. There are many ways in which the treatment of wolves can be described. But we take a step back and view the simple facts as they are and not the names of the clubs and the money they make or how much those clubs may moan about being special. You have to simply say there is bias towards the Manchester clubs and it just doesn't look good at all. Moving on through the week, something really grabbed my attention. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? This is the opening line of a Star Wars film, a Force Awakens trailer. It's good, right? I loved it, it's really good. Well, over in the WSL, recent transfer news would appear to have taken on the very same spine-tingling sensation offered up in a Force Awakens trailer. In the last few weeks, Manchester City women have basically thrown down the smack down with regards to their player acquisition. Fresh from the disappointment of not winning the league last season and seeing it virtually handed to Chelsea, I mean literally handed to Chelsea, Manchester City women have acquired the services of two World Cup winning players from the United States. Yes! Sam Mewis from North Carolina Courage and Rose Lavelle from OL Reign. I do like Rose. She's very good. Both players are in their mid-twenties and will no doubt bring their own style and that World Cup style to boot to the Women's Super League for some time. And I do mean this for some time. Fans, supporters, commentators have identified that the Women's Super League, aka DWSL, needed more investment. Many believe that this was simply based on cash being pumped into the league. So teams could get better pitches, they could have better facilities, they could have bigger branding. But when you look at the arrival of just these two players to the league, it would be hard to argue that this isn't the kind of investment that the WSL needed. It is the exact kind of investment that the league needed. Will it be equitable across the whole league? Who knows? We have to wait and see. Two stars in their own right, Mewis and Lavelle, running around on a cold Sunday in the UK. <sighs> Things. What's not to like? And how is this not an investment or advertising the game? The game needs advertisement like this. Sam Mewis and Roosevelt will bring with them virtual fans and supporters from their own shores, the United States. 
This may be an experiment, it may be a short-lived experiment, but to some it may be a model of how some teams can move forward. As a supporter of other teams in Manchester, I do support Manchester United women as well as Manchester United. I have said for some time, and I do mean for more than two years, about Manchester United women. I don't know how they haven't tapped into the American market, considering they have American owners. I just don't know. But they will no doubt be scratching something and wondering what went wrong and how did they miss out on something so straightforward as this. If Manchester City women can do it, why haven't Manchester United women done it? Moving away from the Women's Super League and my excitement of uh, World Cup stars coming to the, to the UK soil. The big news in Spain, it wasn't really big news. The Barcelona manager who got his self slapped about by Bayern Munich, who remembers his name, was sacked and now the new manager would be in place. Barcelona had now appointed former player and long-term lover Ronald Koeman as the replacement. Will this be the change needed to appease an unhappy Lionel Messi? Will Messi appreciate Koeman as his new manager? A manager with his own history and success with the club that Messi's at. I feel the same tingling sensation I had when I first saw the Force Awakens trailer. Oh my days, it's going to be interesting. For a short period in the week, some were slightly confused and away from Barcelona. And I'm saying this confused with regards to what's happening with the substitutes, the player welfare, as to the use of five substitutes. I thought the whole thing was concluded and teams were only going to use three. There was some confusion, whether it was going to be three or five, and then people believed it was only going to be three. But then, but then the statement from IFAB, IFAB is the International Football Association board in the week outlined that the use of five substitutes will be allowed next season. The reason for this is primarily based on player safety or plainly put so clubs can use them when a player looks like they can no longer carry on. It is hard to imagine that if this option would ever even be considered before the lockdown due to the pandemic. I guess that with the lockdown and the coronavirus which has gripped the world, that player safety had never been considered before March. Um, or it had never been considered when there were only three substitutes on the bench. Despite the report and you know on the option of five substitutes, each competition will still be free to decide whether or not they use the additional substitutes next season. So it could still be three, but the option to use five is there. This will no doubt lead to further discussions in clubs, in boardrooms and in pubs. All conversations will be carried out within safe distance. Imaginary lines will all be adhered to. I bet, and no, so I bet, let's consider this. Can you bet which one of the managers will use this reason, the five substitutes not being used in the Premier League in a post-match conference? If they don't get their way, if the result doesn't go their way, if there is a decision that goes against them, which manager? Who will it be? Which one? Equality and equity in football 
are generally pipe dreams. We all hope to see one day. One club in particular is doing their level best to push the debate with regards to this and change the narrative from it will take time to let's get it done now. But we move away from the substitutes to a very, very, very simple thing in terms of survival of clubs beyond the top team. Reports on the BBC website outline a position put forward by Lewis FC in terms of what they want to see from the game. Lewis FC are in the seventh tier uh, of the football world and they want something very, very special to happen with regards to the FA Cup. They want the FA Cup prize money to be redistributed to lower league clubs and women's clubs next season to help prevent those clubs from disappearing from the game altogether, which it kind of makes sense. Since the restart, without fans, we've all embraced the football at the top tier and watched players run around empty stadiums knowing that these same clubs will recoup some money from their TV deals. Lower clubs face a very different picture and the future due to the lack of game time and loss of revenue due to no fans being in the stadium. The call for the FA Cup prize money to be redistributed is a very sensible one. The call is for clubs, or it's asking that clubs who reach the final three rounds to forego their payments, sizable payments, and have these redistributed to the lower tier. To me, and hopefully to you, the idea makes sense. It's a form of in-house charity for teams who make up the bulk of the football pyramid. Share the wealth would be great, but sharing it would only do one thing in terms of my eyes. It would demonstrate a willingness to take care of not only yourself, but the others involved in the football family. So much has been made of how, again, we as humans need to change the way we interact with one another and look out for individuals and groups within our community because of the pandemic. A simple acknowledgement of what is important from the FA would send a signal, a very important signal, that they do care and they are listening. Lower league clubs are not just about the revenue. They exist to offer a sense of belonging to others, a belonging to supporters, a sense of importance and belonging to employees and volunteers. Now would be the right time for this step to take place now. Anything less would be damaging not only to the image of the game, but also to the FA and to the clubs. And the clubs would then, in terms of their belief, the belief that they once had in an organisation that was meant to be for everyone, it will probably simply drift away. Some of the things that grabbed me in terms of my attention this week is the transfer news. There's lots of it. There's so much of it and the club business. And this time of the year is very special. And it's the best time of year for supporters and clubs. And you think, why? When a club buys a new player, see, transfer window, and it coincides with the launch of a new kit in three different colours and across a range of, you know, from okay to it's just wrong. And some of the kit colours are just wrong. 
you know, in terms of bad taste. This is a really important time. So when one football supporter saw the chance to take a pop, pop shots at the club she follows, she couldn't resist. This isn't in the news, this is on social media platform Twitter. So this is a shout out to Nora, a Manchester United fan who wrote the following. And it's very, 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 very funny. Very funny. She tweets, Dear Man United, the home shirt is £64.95, or should I say £64.95. Whilst I'm willing to pay the £64.95, I'd rather pay £30 up front, £10 when I've worn it 10 times, a further £10 when the team finishes in the top four wearing it, pay another £10 when Jaden Sancho scores a hat-trick wearing it, and then a final £4.95 if I win she, the Ballon d'Or. Humour at its best. Funny. A pop shot at the club that she supports and the way that this particular club does its transfer business or not. And that is a very good way to end. Uh, this is The Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. Hope you enjoyed. Back next week. Bye for now.